Hello everyone. Welcome to the show. It's been a while. Today I brought to you the most positive person, Norlene Mariappan. She is part of multiple social enterprises like Think Ocean and Impactoverse. She is passionate about creating impact and redefining the way we think about business and our oceans today. We have the privilege of going into her incredible story. and the relentless pursuit for better future let's hear the journey from her hi nolin how are you i am well thank you rohini how are you doing i am very good thank you so much for joining me today it's my absolute pleasure thank you for having me so nolin you are very active in non-profit and profit businesses uh, which create impact on people and ecosystems so what inspired you to start something like this So I was actually born in South Africa and I don't know how many of the listeners know much about the apartheid regime in South Africa it was a time when basically there was segregation between people based on race and depending on what race you were you were seen as being a lesser or greater person and and that was a, a legal precedent you know legally you were seen as being lesser so it wasn't just a, a social norm it was actually something which was institutionalized and what this meant was that there were certain places you couldn't go to certain jobs you couldn't have and also it meant that education was affected as well so if you were of a lesser color then schools got less subsidies and sometimes no subsidies and that of course affected the quality of resources and education and then the types of jobs that people could get and you know the knock on effect of that and so i grew up seeing so much poverty around me you know i came from very humble beginnings with my family you know there were times when we didn't know what food we'd have to eat or you know whether we'd have a roof over our heads or anything like that but there were other people who were even worse off than we were so i was very aware of the impact that life in general and systems in general had on people and how that also affected the environment that you were in so when people are starving or you know when they don't know how they're going to feed their families they don't care if they get food and the food comes in a plastic bag right so you have to take care of basic needs for people before they can start to think about supporting initiatives beyond you know so thinking about the planet and everything else so i've always wanted to have a greater impact it started with obviously wanting to make life better for my family my friends my community everyone i saw who was really going through difficult times and when i first started working i started working in management consultancy my degree is in organizational psychology i did economics and also did sociology and industrial psychology felt like I belonged more in the impact space. So then I started working with nonprofits, but looking at how we could develop nonprofits in a way where they could scale. So sort of project development and working with 
nonprofit projects alongside businesses. And that was really where my journey in the space began, trying to find where I belonged, basically, <laughs> trying to figure out how it was that I could feel fulfilled and feel like I was doing what I felt called to do while also being able to practice what I was good at. So I'm good at strategy. I'm good at being able to see the bigger picture and see how things fit together and see different ways of doing things. And I also recognize the power that money has to change things. And the greatest money earners, you know, not obviously people run businesses, but it is business that has that power if aligned with impact to truly make a difference in the world. And that's really how I've ended up in the space, started looking at developing my own business portfolio and then transitioned to specifically within the impact space, you know, became founder and co-founder of initiatives and businesses that are focused on having a positive impact for people and for planet. And that has become my life. <laughs> yeah. So you moved to UK from South Africa, right? How did the journey molded you as a person? And how this journey changed your perspective on different things? Yeah. So actually, I went to university in South Africa. And my first move was actually to South Korea. So I worked in South Korea for a while. And it was only in my 20s that I moved to the UK. And my first experience of the UK was that it was, of course, different to South Korea. I mean, South Korea was just so completely different to South Africa. And then moving to the UK, just see, getting a sense of what the opportunities were like. And, you know, there were some of the same problems, but on a different scale. You know, you still have people who are poor, you still have environmental issues, you still have corruption, but it's just not in the same way as you see it in other places. So it was really coming to terms with how it is that I could still continue to have an impact here. What I was doing here could be leveraged to do more elsewhere. So initially, I started working in the UK. I then started looking at developing businesses in South Africa and then started looking at how some of the impact initiatives I could develop could be focused on developing countries and emerging economies and that sort of thing. So being here gave me a sense of perspective. I realized that different people have different worldviews, of course. And that is very much guided by their history. So everything that has been before, but also what it is that they're exposed to. You know, initially it used to be just through media, right? Just through TV, movies, that sort of thing. And now very greatly through social media. And I've also started to see how viewpoints have started to change depending on what are the trends in media and social media. So for example, there were instances like at the beginning where countries and populations, indigenous populations within countries and the nationality of that country 
would see themselves in a certain way, have a sense of national pride and what it meant to be a certain nationality. So for example, a lot of people from the UK would feel like, okay, well, you know, our position is generally better off. And so generally we help people from other countries. And that might be the case. And I'm not saying that this is always the case. This is, you know, generally you see those sorts of trends, right? Some countries are just in a position to, and because of politics and because of media and everything else, just generally feel like they should be helping countries who are in need. And then you start to see how certain trends affect that. And these trends could be immigration the media coverage around immigration, social media trends. And then you start to see how the viewpoint changes of where should the help really be focused? Should it be focused within the country to take care of the country's own problems or helping people in other countries? And so I've always been quite interested in and fascinated by this and how these transitions happen. And also trying to figure out how is it that we continue to scale impact so that we're not in a position where people feel like, hey, we're not taking care of things in our own backyard and yet we want to solve some problems elsewhere, right? So that there is the opportunity to support where people feel they want to. And it's not, okay, you're being told that you need to do this and you're being told that you need to do that, but you feel aligned with impact in a certain place, or it could be a cause or it could be, you know, anything. And you are able to support in a way where you actually see the difference that you are making. You actually get to engage with the project, engage with what it is that's happening on the ground. Because that is the way that people become more invested in the impact that they're having in the world, in building up their portfolio of impact. And that is something that we're really focused on doing. It's how do we actually start to allow for people to feel like they are supporting what they feel aligned with and that they can actually truly see the difference that they're making And they become a part of that engagement and they're able to showcase the impact that they're having in the world. And we're trying to use technology, of course, to do this. Yeah. What kind of technology you are using and how is it aligned with your customers' benefits and their interests? Are you doing all this with the Impactoverse company or any other company? So the collaborations is through Impactoverse. And then we also do some consulting work and looking at strategy through Safa Global, which is the consulting company. And then with ThinkOcean, we're looking at some of the technologies and working in partnership with universities around deployment of technology that cleans the rivers and most technology only cleans the surface, right? And we're looking at technology that actually looks to raise debris and plastic from the subsurface level and to collect them and then to work with local communities to develop circular economy programs around what is collected. Technology is moving at such a rapid pace. Even people in the tech space are struggling to keep up with developments. And Impact initiatives and small to medium businesses are the ones who are being left behind because they don't have the resources to actually be able to tap into the power of these technologies 
to be able to do more of what they intend to do, to be able to reach their goals faster, to be able to increase their outcomes. So that's the other thing that we're doing is looking at how we can facilitate that and basically bridge that divide so that more can actually benefit from technology to improve their outcomes. Yeah, I think Ocean is a very interesting project. How did you come across that? What motivated you to start? So that was, I mean, for a very long time, I'd wanted to be more involved in more direct environmental initiatives that also saw the bigger picture because you can't look at, you know, just the planet or just people, they're intertwined. And I had been, you know, heavily involved in other initiatives like MedInfo Files and co-founders in South Africa. And then the founder of Think Ocean actually reached out to me. And this was a few years ago. And we just talked about, you know, what it is that he was looking to do and just felt very moved by the mission and the focus on technology, education, looking at empowering communities at the same time. And it fit the bill for me. And so, you know, we talked some more and I joined as co-founder and we started to develop the plans for that, which, you know, always takes a long time to pull things together and to be able to get the right partnerships and things in place. But finally, that is now coming together and, you know, all being well within the next few months, we'll be starting the developments to deploy in one of the most polluted rivers in Serbia, and then looking at how we develop partnerships in different parts of the world with companies, with local governments, to be able to further the cause and to be able to support the solution in different places, because it's a global challenge. You know, it's not just one river. And this, once it makes its way to the oceans, it is almost impossible to collect everything that's in the ocean. So we're saying, okay, let's try to stop it at source and let's work smarter. And then the other thing we're doing with Think Ocean is looking at how do we collaborate even with small businesses and showcase the work that aligned small businesses are having. So we're really looking at developing that collaborative model. Yeah. So projects like this, cleaning the river is mm-hmm. one of the challenge and then maintaining it clean for longer term mm-hmm. is another challenge. So How are you planning to solve that? So the technology that we deploy basically continually runs. So it continues to clean. It runs off renewable energy. And we'll be looking at obviously working with local communities. But one of the big things is developing that infrastructure and the ecosystem around cleaner environments, right? So for example you can offer some sort of reward to people for maintaining cleaner local environments. You know, rubbish has value now because things can be recycled. So instead of people dumping things, if they're able to get a token where if they collect a certain amount of tokens, you know, the scavenger economy is a large economy. But if we look at how we formalize that so that we can actually empower local communities, so that we can increase education around what this actually means for them to have a cleaner space for their families, for their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, but also what it means economically. 
if we can facilitate these types of ecosystems. And I think the combination of trying to deploy a solution which takes care of an immediate problem and then working alongside, so we run education programs that actually support with longer term changing of mindsets and values and a vision for what could be and alongside that working with local communities to look how do we empower people so that there is value with them and this is our long-term view and what we hope to be able to achieve we're talking with embark which is a foundation here in the uk and that has 38 schools aligned with them they're looking to pilot an education program around basic environmental education and we're in some other talks as well looking at different types of programs that we can run both with teachers and with students to be able to start to shift the mindset and to shift you know to encourage different behavior which is a norm which is happening with youth already you know so i we're hopeful. What kind of uh, other non-profit projects you are uh, currently working? Yeah, so we're supporting, and this is through Impactiverse, we're supporting a number of non-profits. So for example, there is an orphanage in Uganda. They are, uh, food security is an issue. They rely on donations every month. They're not in a major city So it makes it really difficult. And what they want to do is to raise funds to be able to buy some land, get some animals and have a garden so that they can ensure greater food security for the children. You know, it doesn't cost very much, but for them, it's impossible. You know, it's something they feel is impossible. So we're looking at how we collaborate with, for example, on this specific initiative, a youth organization in Ireland called Anua. They're running the Positive Vibes campaign and will be holding an event either later this year or early next year. And when they're doing this, they're allowing through this event to be able to support these different nonprofits globally. So, for example, this orphanage can sell images and its artwork from the youth. And these images are, when they're sold, they become NFTs, which are tickets to the event that the youth organization in Ireland is holding. Other projects that are focused on animal shelters and and supporting animal charities, for example, ones that are focused on more of the environment, ones that are focused on creativity, for example, Hip Hop Saved Lives, where they go all around the world and work with youth who are in challenging situations. And there are such a wide range of projects. One that's focused on education, you know, young women who are refugees from Afghanistan and the Ukraine who are looking at pulling together initiatives to fund online accredited education for women and girls in Afghanistan because it's outlawed. And the challenge is not just gaining access to the education, it's actually gaining access. So for example, there are universities that offer scholarships but then they need to pass an IELTS exam, which they don't have money for. They need to have data to be able to get online, which they can't get. So it's looking at, you know, what are the obstacles to be able to facilitate that change and how can we support it? So a, a variety of different projects. 
That was one of the reasons that we actually decided to set up Impactoverse as well. It's because we wanted to focus on collaborations to scale impact. So with these different projects, any project who wants to have an impact, any business that wants to have an impact, any influencer, any creator that wants to support impact can actually collaborate through the platform. So we've kind of tried to make it a bit easier in that way. Yeah. So diversified projects, how does your day-to-day look like? How do you handle these on daily basis? For me, my day-to-day is mostly focused on connecting with people. So there are a lot of calls, obviously, with projects and initiatives who want to get onto platform. We're also launching the Metaverse of Impact, where all virtual activity has real-world impact. So any initiative, so if a business wants to hire a space in the Metaverse, they can do that, have their conferences, and know that there's some real-world impact attached to it, where all activity is focused on education, innovation, inspiration, and impact. And so, uh, you know, my day is filled with calls, both with team members on different projects, as well as people and businesses who are interested in actually getting within the space or finding out how it is that they can align, how it is that they can do more, how it is that they can earn more, both as businesses and also as impact initiatives, how creators can get involved, how influencers can get involved, and then working with agencies who might be interested in running campaigns. And then the rest of it with the project, I'm mostly involved on the, on the strategic front. So developing the strategy and determining how we align the operations with the strategy. So it tends to be quite busy. But I don't necessarily work with all the projects on a hands-on basis because we're trying to develop systems where we can facilitate those collaborations rather than having to do all of it ourselves. So if you feel like having a downtime or got stuck with something, how do you come out of it? Yes. uh... So, yeah. And, And there are lots of those. You know, I mean, when I speak to people, they often feel like I sound very positive and upbeat and, you know, (laughs) very calm and have everything figured out. But actually, there are so many days where it is just challenging, you know, where like there are always the motivational quotes, right? So tomorrow is another day and fresh start and all of those things. But there are days when you get to the end of the day and a major challenge has not been resolved or you are still trying to figure something out. And it's more difficult because it's not just me. Like we have these projects that are relying on this working out. You know, we can't just say, okay, well, that didn't work. We'll start something new, right? It's you have a, a level of responsibility and accountability to more than just yourself, more than just the team you're working on or working with, but all of these projects and these businesses who are trying to make a difference in the world and are kind of relying on you to facilitate that. And it's a heavy responsibility. And it's a responsibility that it's an honor to carry. But on the days when things are not going right, it is heavy. And it does wear you down. And, you know, anyone who says that they just snap out of it or whatever, I would love to learn how they do it. Because 
I can think about the things that, you know, logically and from a psychological perspective and knowing in terms of how the psychology and physiology works, you know, what you should do. But the bottom line still remains that has not been figured out yet and it needs to be. So that weighs on your mind. And for me, when I went through a major challenge after I'd set up a business in South Africa and went into partnership with someone was a really bad decision, basically just got ripped off big time, lost everything and hit rock bottom. And literally for about two days, I just did not want to get out of bed. I did get out of bed, but I didn't want to. And I spoke to my mom. I didn't want to talk to her about it because I didn't want to weigh her down with it either. But because I support my family, it was important that they knew what was going on. And so I spoke to my mom and I felt such a weight of guilt and just being so deflated and just feeling like I wasn't able to do for them what I had wanted to do because this was one of my motivators. And my mom basically said, you know, when have you ever like not achieved something that you've put your mind to? And that was what I needed like to be reminded because the things that I'd wanted to achieve I've sometimes it didn't happen overnight, right? And everything that I did, I went through challenges, but I still did it. And so now I always go back to that. And it's that perspective of, you know, even there are days when I doubt and days when I think, oh my goodness, you know, how are other people managing to get this right? And for me, it's still like today, this is still a challenge, you know, like how are these, and especially with social media, you see everyone doing phenomenal things, right? And it's like, oh my goodness, you know, they've managed to launch and get this up and have this following and everything else. How is it that, you know, like we're still at this point, you know, I wanted to go faster. I want to have these problems figured out. And you start to feel like, is it something that you're not doing right or you're, you know, doing in the wrong way? And I always go back to that. And what keeps me motivated and helps me to get out of that funk is realizing that, yes, we can achieve, but we don't all go down the same road to achieve it, right? Some of us take a different pathway. Like the way that I would do it might take longer, but that's the way that works for me. Like, for example, I'm trying to be better at it, but I don't post on social media a lot. Like I'm not writing a lot all the time. I'll share every now and then, or I'll go to through phases where I do. And I see a lot of people who are on social media all the time and they're able to build that community and build the following and build the people. So when they are doing something, it's a lot easier. And for us, we've been building without necessarily talking about it, without, you know, posting all the time every day. And this has been something which has affected things. So for me, it's about like facing up to those hard truths of, well, actually, if I had done more of that, then yes, maybe we would be further along. But actually, that's not who I am. So I didn't do it. Instead, I was focusing on having something to evidence and show before I could talk about it, right? And this is why it takes longer to then build that following and audience and everything else that goes with it. And also just recognizing that, okay, it might not be today, but as long as the will is there, then 
tomorrow is the opportunity to try to solve this again. And it comes back to that question, do I still have the will to keep doing this? And that's all that it is. So if I feel like, oh my goodness, this is an absolutely like a day, a nightmare of a day. Everything has gone wrong. Nothing's worked out. I haven't hit my, you know, targets for what I wanted to achieve. But today I feel like, you know, I could have just slept through the day and nothing would be different, <laughs> you know. And at the end of the day, it just comes down to, okay, so do I still have the desire to do this, to fix this, to work on this? And if that desire is stronger than the problems, which often if you have a great motivator and lots of people talk about what is your why, you know, if that is strong, then that's what matters. Often it's about how you phrase it to yourself, right? How you frame it. And a lot of people think about things differently. So like when they say, oh, what is your why? Sometimes for me, that's too abstract. Like I know what my why is. And I know why I want to do the things that I want to do. But for me, I have to reframe the question. So for me, the question is, do I still have the desire to do this? You know, do I still have the will to want to do this? And that is, you know, obviously linked to my why. But it is a question which actually gets to the core of me a lot more than just what is my why? I don't know if that makes sense at all in terms of the way I'm explaining it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, your motivation, if I understand correctly, so that is your motivator. Yeah, uh, and it, it is correctly. just thinking, okay, so I've had a really bad day. I don't know, like this, this job is wearing me down, this business is wearing me down or whatever. So it just comes back to asking yourself, okay, well, do you still have enough of a will to keep doing this job? Do you have enough of a will to keep doing what it is that you're doing? And when you unpick that question, if you have the will to keep doing it, it's because the motivation for it is very strong, right? The impact for you personally is massive. And so for me, that's all that it comes down to. It's like, okay, well, do I still have the desire, the will to keep doing this? If yes, then that's it. There is no other question. You know, there you can allow yourself to feel and to process and to acknowledge that it was a bad day because you can't pretend that it's not, right? Just being positive in the face of things that are generally going wrong or not quite right in a way is not giving due credit to the things that need to be resolved. So if you just pretend that it's not an issue, then that's not necessarily the best way. I feel for me anyways, and not, not necessarily the best way for me to deal with things. I need to acknowledge that there are certain things that are difficult or challenging or whatever. And sometimes it's because I'm thinking about it in the wrong way. Or sometimes it's because I haven't done the right things. Or sometimes it's because of external factors which I have no control over. And I just have to go back to, okay, well, is this something I want to continue doing? Do I still have the motivation to keep doing this? If the answer is yes, then everything that has come before, that bad day, the challenges, don't matter. What matters is what is the next step that I take? And, and sometimes that next step isn't that at that moment in time. It's, you know, after listening to some music or, you know, 
going to bed that night and getting up the next morning, writing, walking, whatever it is that you need to do to reset and regain perspective, that for me is what helps. What advice you would give to other people who want to come into business? One of the big things is now with consumer trends, businesses that are impactful are the ones that are going to do well, okay? If you can show the impact that your business is having. So you can be for profit, but you evidence the good that your business is doing in the world. And those are the businesses that will do well. So if anything, now is the ideal time for women who are interested in stepping into business to be able to do that. Because generally, most women also care about things beyond business. Of course, they want to do well and they want to succeed and they want to earn money. But often why they want to do those things is for more than just the money's sake, right? Yes, success, but also for other things. So I would say if you are thinking about moving or or stepping into business, think about what is the impact that your business is going to have as well. And then also, very importantly, a lot of people go into business, and this is men and women, you go into business because you know something or a lot about a certain thing, or you have an idea about something that would do well. But we don't all know everything about every aspect of business, right? And it's impossible. Like you can know a little bit about a lot of things, but it's impossible to know everything. So before stepping into that space, really start to think about what is it that your strengths are and what is it that you really know and you do well and what is it that you know you're terrible at and you need support like where are the gaps so kind of do a gap analysis like where are the gaps here for you to be able to do this and that's when you have to start to think about okay you know the things that you know right you know what it is that you're good at and so that part is very it's like a strong foundation for you but you need to start filling the gaps to make your foundation stronger so start to look out for other people who fill the gaps so for example you know, people who are good at sales, like if you know you're terrible at being able to sell something, you have a phenomenal product, you have a phenomenal service, you're terrible at selling, you don't want to be pitching yourself to people all the time. Try to find people who believe in what you're trying to do who are good in that way. And think about the other gaps as well. And even if you're not necessarily going to approach them straight off the bat, you might then start to think about pulling together your plans and your ideas a little bit more, then take a step into that direction. The other thing is having an accountability partner. So accountability partners, not everyone has has the money for a mentor or because now mentors charge as well, right? Not everyone has money for mentorship or coaching, but try to find an accountability partner, you know, someone that you can talk to who knows you or will get to know you, who believes in what you're capable of achieving and who can be honest with you right? And hold you to account and start putting together your plan. I mean, it might not be that you're saying, okay, we're putting a plan together to actually launch this business. It could be you're putting a plan together to figure out whether this business is something that you want to launch, right? Or something that you want to do. And then start working toward that and schedule in, you know, weekly touch-ins or even if it's, you know, messaging each other on voice notes or whatever, just to touch base on, okay, what is the plan? Where are things at? What are you looking at? 
so that you move closer to making a decision one way or another. But I would say, you know, seek out people who can support in different ways, especially the ways that you are not good in. Look for people who are different to you to get advice from as well. And be prepared to hear that not everyone's interested and don't be disheartened if not everyone gets your idea and not everyone gets your business. And sometimes it's all about timing. So if you have a great idea, just bear in mind that even if it might not be brilliant for the market right now, it could be that you are just seeing a trend and it's going to be perfect for the market in a few months from now. So just maintain a sense of overall perspective. Start to think about where the gaps are for you and start to think about who it is that could support you in actually getting to a decision on whether you move forward and then how to move forward. And also, you know, people like me and I'm sure a number of other women that you've interviewed as well, Rohini, are more than willing to talk to, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs and aspiring impacteers. So also feel free to reach out to us as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for mentioning that there are a lot of good people out there. I'm sure about it. You just need to take the first step to reach out to them. Um, Sure, like you and others uh, who I know of, like, they're all very friendly and they're all very interested to help anybody reach out to them. Thank you for saying it. Exactly. And, and don't be disheartened by the people who don't get back to you or who say that they don't have time. You know, it's just it's just life and it's not personal. So yeah. never take it personally. Thank you so much. That's a great advice, Nolin. Thank you so much for your time. You're That's more than welcome. You. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure.